0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Iron Works podcast. I'm Pastor Tyler. And I'm Zach. And today, y'all, we are continuing our discussion of spiritual disciplines. We've gone through several of these already and we've got several more to go through. So, uh, Zach, why don't you just remind us again, what are we talking about when we say spiritual disciplines?
1: So we're talking about the regular, repeated You know, disciplines, I guess, is the best word I can come up with. The the aspects of our faith that we're called to repeat over and over because they build the things in us that the Lord wants to see. This is oftentimes the way that God sanctifies us practically in the day in, day out, week by week process.
0: Right. So we are disciples. Right. Right. Disciples are following the discipline of somebody. And the way that we discipline ourselves to be better disciples is through these spiritual disciplines. These are the practices that Christians do. And uh, very often we hear calls to be righteous, we hear calls to be holy and to be obedient, and those are all good, but we find ourselves incapable of doing these things. Now, ultimately, the power comes from the Lord, the power comes from the Holy Spirit, and we don't want to minimize that. But the Bible has made it very clear, especially through 1 Corinthians 9 and other places, that... Effort is expected of the Christian and Mm -hmm. it it shouldn't just be expected. It should be what you do as a natural response to the gospel. And these are the practical things that we do in order to strengthen our spirit, to discipline ourselves and to make us better servants and better disciples of Jesus Christ. Exactly. You could come, I kind of a comparison
1: is like, look, yes, technically what's moving your, not even technically, what's actually moving your car down the road, producing the combustion in the engine is the power that's in gasoline right? No gasoline, car's not moving. But if you were to sit there and say, well, my tank's full of gas, but the car's not moving, someone would say, well, right. But first you're going to need to go ahead and take off the emergency brake, put the car into, you know, take it out of park, turn the key, allow ignition to happen, right? There's some steps you need to do too. And I think the disciplines are more like that. It's nobody is saying that turning the key is
0: what's actually moving the car down the road, but it's an important step to take to enable that. Exactly. And they work in tandem together. And right. We do not believe that <laughs> the christian life just kind of happens to you it doesn't right. so these are the things that are incredibly basic kind of like when you go to exercise everybody's always looking <laughs> for the secret it's really not a secret you just need to you need to pick up heavy things and you need to run fast so <laughs> this is kind of what this is like and we've already gone through a few we've talked about bible reading and bible study we've talked about prayer we've talked about meditation and we've talked about fasting and those are kind of the the basic basic ones, mm-hmm. and we've talked about uh, so far. We've called personal disciplines, and that these are things that you largely do by yourself. With all due respect given to corporate prayer, as important as that is, right. Uh, but what we're going to move into today are what we're going to call the corporate disciplines. These are things that you are expected to do among the congregation, with the rest of the church, and there is, of course, a personal aspect to them. But these are things that are largely done at church or with the church, um, because Zach, Christianity is not a solo activity.
1: No, right. well, n- not if <laughs> you want to, or shouldn't be, if not, if you want to make it in my experience. Right. Um, and, and if you've ever look, you know, I know we're kind of laughing about that, but honestly, if you've ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, remind me why we're doing this again, this is why, right? These disciplines, the corporate disciplines are the ones that make it it. In- important and necessary for us to leave our house and take ourselves to, to be around other believers and spend time with them. It's because you can't have these things, which, you know, I don't know if you guys have been keeping track. We're we're only about, not, we're not even quite halfway through the list, right? You can't have all these disciplines without being in the presence of other believers. So that's why it's so important. And that's why the the Bible says a lot that it's important for us
0: to be meeting together. Right. So the first one we're going to look at today is worship. We're going to talk about corporate Christian worship. Now, th- there's been a, a good correction that's come into the church in recent years to remind us that when we say worship, we don't just mean singing. Uh, I mean, Zach, can you just speak to that for a minute? Worship is supposed to be everything that we do in the Christian life is to be worship, right?
1: Right. Because like the meaning of worship is it's like it's it's directing glory and adoration and praise to God, right? So it as a yeah, Christian… Yeah, it comes from the word
0: worthy, like right. worthship. We're giving, you know, declaring the worth of the Lord.
1: So of course, you know, there's nothing. And, and I think one of the great ways to remember this is usually in your work is a thing I always try to remember, right? Hey, whatever I'm doing in my day-to-day, in my eight hours a day or more, that work is supposed to be worship to the Lord. I'm, I'm working hard, the, you know, the Bible says, to, to declare his glory to work as if I was working for the Lord, right? So that is, that is true, but I think it's important to remember that, like, there's a reason that all through Christian history, when we talk about worship, most—you're talking about a group of Christians coming together, typically using music— to declare God's glory, right? right. And that can yes. look different in lots of different ways, and that's cool and awesome, and that diversity is great, but it usually includes those things, corporate and, and music yeah, are, so are we, ways to do it.
0: We wanted to would say that. I mean, it's true, but, um, you know, it also can be that, that nuance of understanding worship can be used by some folks to say, well, you know, I see that when I'm at home, Uh, you know, getting the grill ready for watching the game on Sunday that, you know, I I feel God's pleasure there. And that's my worship. And okay, yeah, I hope it would be, right, but we don't want to be so cute here. When we say worship today, we mean singing, we mean music. And Zach, you're absolutely right that most of the time when the Bible talks about worship, it talks about the corporate gathering coming together to offer worship to the Lord. In the Old Testament, this was sacrifices. We have mm. a whole long description in the Old Testament of what the sacrifices were, the burnt offering, the peace offering, the votive offering, all those kinds of things. But now that we are under the new covenant, we no longer offer sacrifices. And that this is very important to know because Jesus Christ is our sacrifice, right. the once for all sacrifice. So now the question becomes, well, what do we offer to the Lord? And you've you already hit the, the nail on the head. In the Old Testament, there was also singing. There was singing that happened when they came together. Every time they were offering uh, sacrifices in the tabernacle or temple, there was singing going on. And the writer to the Hebrews, who spends the most time in the Bible comparing uh, and Mm -hmm. contrasting Jesus as the sacrifice to what happened in the temple, he says at the end of his book, Hebrews 13, 15, "...through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips." that acknowledge his name. So, Zach, we've really, uh, by design of the Lord, lost a lot of the ritual that went into the worship but what we still retain in all Christian traditions and in all of Scripture is that aspect of the fruit of our lips, singing and offering praise to the Lord.
1: Well, we've lost the ritual of like the animal sacrifice, but I think if you, I mean, well, sure, that's that's what I mean. In a sense, though, like when yeah. you show every, you know, think about it, you're every week you're showing up and you're doing the similar things, right? Sometimes even people complain about. This. They say, oh, "Why are we playing this same song? Are we always?" But part of it is, yeah, it's a bit of a healthy ritual for you. Look, I'm gonna on Sunday. I talked to my kids about this. Look, guys, yes, we're going back. To church. You know why? Because we need to be reminded again that that's right. That's who God is. And we need to declare his praise together. And it is a repetition, right? But it's like you said, it's offering a sacrifice of praise, a sacrifice of our time, of our emotions.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: know, when you, and, and and sometimes people can struggle with this. Yeah, and we'll I'd talk t- on that in a,
0: in a minute here. But it's important, important to know
1: to you're, you're you're giving the Lord something that might, might take a little bit of sacrifice for you, but it's good for you. Just number one, to, to declare who he is. And number two, it's good for your heart and your, your spirit to do that because the Lord said that you need to. So yeah, a hundred percent. That's, yeah, that's various, kind of the way we look at
0: it. Various traditions are more uh, ritualistic in the way that they do it. Sure. Um, Calvary Chapel tends to be rather, um, Rather informal, sure. which is okay, and that that's the way that we like it. And I think it's entirely defensible from the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, you can also add things in this like the celebration of communion, the Lord's Supper, it's often called. But, I mean, what we're, I'm trying to point out while reading that verse and also the one I'm about to read is that when the Bible talks about worship, singing is always tied to it. And in the New Testament, that seems to be the thing that remains to us when, with, right. with no more temple and no more sacrifice. And we're not even, I, I would say, permitted to consider communion a, an imitation of sacrifice because there's already been one. So mm-hmm. singing, music, worship. Colossians 3.16 is a great Bible verse. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, what does that mean to have the word of Christ dwell in you? Well, teaching... And admonishing one another in all wisdom. And lots of folks, including some dear friends of mine, would love to close the book there and talk about the word of Christ dwelling (laughs) in you richly is all about teaching and admonishing. And I am second to none in my belief in those things, especially that admonishing part. But he continues singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Mm. According to the Apostle Paul, to have the word of Christ dwelling in you richly is not just a matter of teaching, but it's a matter of singing hmm. psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, and I'm not going to divide those three things. It's, it's spiritual worship. It's singing to God. There's another verse in Ephesians 5 where Paul says kind of the same thing. He says, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Well, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Hmm. Maybe you're like, we're not really a word church, we're a spirit church. Well, fine. (laughs) Verse 19 says, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. So, being filled with the Spirit manifests in singing to God. So, both of those things, which ought not to be in opposition to one another, but they often are, unfortunately, is a Spirit-filled church and a word-fed church, both of those things ought to be expressed and cultivate a a heart of singing and of worship. Isn't that interesting that both of those things ought to lead to to great music and singing to I the Lord. I think it is
1: really important because I think so many times there's like these traps that we can fall into. And we've talked about this several times with the disciplines, right? There's these two traps you can fall into of being too intellectual or intellectual only as a Christian and emotional only as a Christian. And I think it's interesting in that verse that it basically says, no, you have to have both. There's the more intellectual side, right? Of course, Scripture moves your emotions, but like a lot of time you're reading a book, right? And getting information and that that is important. God wants us to use our minds and, and worship him in that way. But he's also saying, but... You can't just have that. You also need to exercise your emotions, your spirit, your heart. And and usually, I find, for, for most people, music is the thing that does that, right? And there's a lot of people that want to say... a biblical thing. Exactly. And there's a lot of people that want to say, oh, well, yeah, I, I like this. That's where I'm at. Okay, that's fine. But you can't let go of the other thing because the, the Bible makes it really clear in this passage that they're both part of what makes a whole believer, right? Yeah, and, the head and
0: the heart together. Exactly. Yeah, I and mean, you look at... The Old Testament, and you can see there are some songs that were intended to teach Israel's history. They were intended to teach uh, in the New Testament. We believe it's... I I can sometimes skeptical of uh, how confident people are of this, but we believe that we can see uh, hymns, uh, early Christian hymns, in the way that the phrases are structured. Mm -hmm. Um, Another possibility is that Paul was just more poetic than we give him credit for, but (laughs) uh, that these hymns were used to recount the gospel, and this is why... Uh, Many people love those songs that just rehearse the gospel and tell you the whole story. Mm -hmm. And a lot of old hymns did that, but that's actually a growing trend in modern worship too, without getting off in that, is that you're getting a lot more stories, a lot more rehearsal of the full gospel, um, which may be a positive response to some criticism that came in. But you also read in the Old Testament, uh, we just read, I believe it was Psalm 136 on Sunday yep, at our we church, did, yeah. that every other line was, for his steadfast love endures forever. Uh-huh. And, you know, very repetitious. People don't like repetitious worship. Well, that 36 times it said the same yeah. thing, you know, because it was intended to hit your heart too. And it was intended to build your emotion. And emotion is, is sometimes portrayed as a bad thing now if you let it drive the horse then yes it can be a bad thing but you know feeling in your worship of the lord can be a good thing and you can see people yeah and come into church hard as nails man and you're never gonna <laughs> preach this guy into the kingdom but that's that person gets up and sings that song and that guy just breaks down and starts weeping. Now, the music has touched his emotion, but it's touched his emotion through the work of the Holy Spirit right. in singing about Jesus. Now this person is in a place where they are prepared to make a decision or hear the voice of the Lord, whereas before they might not have been. And I think and that's I want to come back to that. But go ahead. That's, yeah, that's
1: I just biblical. I, it's not only biblical. I think we need to allow I'll just say we need to allow culturally the Bible to rebuke us in this area. I'll just go ahead and say that because I think we're so focused in our culture, in the rational, the intellectual, the scientific mode that we are, we're really in danger of losing our spiritual senses in some ways. Right. And, and in order to protect us from that, God has said, Hey, I want you to show up every week and sing songs so that I can grab you by like the heartstrings and remind you of some things that maybe intellectually you're, you're struggling with. Right. I, let, let me, I want like a little story about that, like what we did last Sunday. You know, I came in, I've had this been a hard beginning to the year for my family. We're in the middle of a, I'm jobless right now. We're switching some things around. I came in really struggling with the idea of, yeah, like I know that the Lord's got us, but man, it's hard to see repetition one through five. My emotions were still all churning. Okay. Yeah. The Lord's steadfast love endures forever by repetition, 30, whatever. My emotions are, man, I'm locked in. I'm sitting there with my wife and we're like, the Lord's steadfast love endures forever. I'm emotionally grabbed onto this thing that intellectually I believe. That's why you do that, right? Right. And and I think that not doing that because, oh, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to repeat things or we don't want to use emotions. I I think you're, you can't be holier than the Lord, (laughs) you know? You need to understand the Lord is using this tool to help you in your weakness. And and I think we need to accept that. Read the Psalms, man. Yeah.
0: I flood my bed with tears. <laughs> right. yep. Oh, dang. It's like, well, that's really emotional, David. <laughs> I? It's like, yeah, it is, kind of, yeah. you know. Uh, 2 Kings 3.15 is one of my favorite verses. This is when uh, Jehoshaphat and Ahab decided that they were going to uh, attack the Moabites. And they were going to do it by taking a secret pass through the desert. Mm-hmm. And um, now they're all dried up and they're about to die. So they go to Elisha. And they say, Elisha, we we need a word. (laughs) We need a word from the Lord. You got to help us, man. And uh, so Elisha says, fine. And then in 2 Kings 3.15, he says, now bring me a musician. Mm -hmm. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. There's an Old Testament connection consistent with what we just read between singing and worship and music and... The holy spirit rushing upon somebody yes you see yeah. this in the experience of saul where he saw the prophets that were singing and prophesying that there it's a very spiritual thing and there could be another conversation about how music is inherently spiritual that's why it's dangerous in, in a very good and noble sense there but uh yeah this this is one of the functions of worship is to engage the heart you know if you're a guy like uh, I, I had to be for a while, where you're working a job where you can't you can't be nice, mm. like you know not being unkind or godless, but you you're battling at work, you're battling at home, you got stuff that you got to deal with, and you're like, no, I've got to be I've got to be there, and this can be man or woman, wife or husband. Like I've I've had to be stoic and and do what's right and take care of it. Then you come into the church, and now we're singing some of these songs that just start to rip your heart out. Like that's the appropriate place to let some of that go yeah. in the presence of the Lord while everybody's giving it back to Jesus and then you'll sit and you'll hear the word of God taught maybe you share in communion and you you know it all comes to a close and maybe you've got to lock it back up and get back out there but now you've had this place where you've given it over to the Lord and and that's an that's healthy. It's good to have that. Oh, yeah. But, Zach, let's come at this the other way, too, uh, because there are some of y'all that are cheerleading when you hear me say that. Um, <laughs> but there is a problem when worship becomes exclusively emotional or exclusively experiential. Sure. And there is no engaging of the head or there's no understanding of the word. So what? how do we balance this out a little bit?
1: Well, I think to me it, 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 it's about a, it's a fruit thing right? Ask yourself, okay, what is the fruit? We're supposed to do that anywhere, right? Okay, what's the fruit of this ministry in my life? So if if you're, you know, here's the music we play, here's the songs we do, here is the way that we structure. Think about it in a ministry context. If you're a pastor, an assistant pastor, a worship leader, you have a lot of like really practical decisions to make every week, right? Well, here's how we're going to structure the order of service. Are we going to do it in this way? How long are we going to have for this? When you see the fruit that's produced, I think it's good to ask yourself, okay, Number 1, is it producing emotion? I think it should be. If you're doing this every week and people are just kind of staring at you, it might be time to ask Lord Lord, we we should be getting some zeal here. We should be, you know, yeah. that that's important, right? Don't don't discount that. But if if you're producing just um it's just getting people hyped up but I don't see that there's it's producing fruit. I don't see people coming to me and saying, "You know what? We sang that song and man, that was exactly what I needed to hear this week. And the Lord has done this in my heart. If you're not hearing that people are laying hold of it and it's working in their heart to change them, if it just feels like it's a, we come in, we, we hit a hundred and then we kind of drop down to zero and we walk out and we do the same thing. that That's, I think the the concern you need to have is, right. is, is where there's an, And some of that might even go down to song choice or whatever, right? Like, pray about that.
0: I've trained worship leaders before. And one of the things I've told them is when you are picking a song for the church to sing, you are putting words in the mouth of the body of Christ. Yeah. That's a heavy thing. And some people uh, are, are, oh, some people, let's just say, some people are too cautious. Some Uh people, (laughs) they only look at the, they only interpret things in the worst possible light. Mm -hmm. They go, what does he mean by that? It's like it probably means what it sounds like you know but what's well, behind that and but uh there are others who are just too quick to bring things in and not knowing what's being said and there have been lots of things that i thought this song was good but as a pastor i i know i know this how this can be taken so maybe this would be best to do once when you can explain it or maybe just to mm-hmm. set it aside there's lots of great ones being written right it does need to be consistent with sound doctrine it ought to be instructing the church it ought to have uh, maybe these turns of phrase that cause you to think mm-hmm. a little bit. Um, and uh, it, it sh- the service itself should not be so, um, I don't want to say, even say emotional. Let's just say it should not be so. Constructed in such a way that there's no possibility for meditation and hearing from the Lord if we're all just all right. in all the time. It, this, you know, Paul in 1 Corinthians 14, for example, talks about frenzy not being a good thing, right? Sure. But, um, well, don't you know, manipulate you need, people you, you, too. Yeah, you're right? not like, you're not trying to pump people up. You're not trying to, you know, a- any more than a pastor tries to pump the people up with strong preaching. Uh, I think you can compare the two very well. and. I would hope that you have a worship leader that is able to get the crowd excited a little bit and to help get people to that place without, you know, manipulation, without berating them. Some people think that they can just like yell people into a spiritual state, you know, just be like, would you just get your act together? And like, oh, yeah, now we feel terrible. And there needs to be a range. I mean, part of the intellectual Mm -hmm. side of this there has got to be a range of emotion. It can't just be all joy and celebration. There's got to be lament. Other churches all they want to do is skip all the happy songs and get down to the sad ones so that they <laughs> right. can feel something, and that's not good either, man. Right. You you got to be able to have both. So uh, we've kind of talked about first of all the biblical appropriateness of singing. We've talked about the uh, the emotional and the intellectual aspect of this. Let's let's talk about a few practicalities, Zach. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so when, when we come into church. And most churches and most traditions are going to begin with a few songs. Yep. When we talk about spiritual discipline, what we are saying is that you as a Christian need to engage in the singing process. This means <laughs> you need to be yep. in the sanctuary when the service starts. Oh, okay. Would you agree with that? Yes, Yeah. I would. You, the, the worship is not the previews of the movie. Right. And it's like, well, yeah, the movie starts at 10, but you know, there's going to be 38 minutes of previews, so we can show up a little bit late. Or, yeah. oh, they're still singing. Let me go grab some coffee real quick. It's like, hey, man, you need to be in there. Mm. This is part of it. And part of that is uh constricting your time a little bit out of reverence to the lord saying no we need to be in there because this is this is for jesus right so that's that's the most basic thing you need to be in there don't skip it
1: it's not a concert right that's that's important to know i think you don't skip it i think also it's it's about and and you know i'm even uncomfortable saying this because i think i can hear people getting frustrated with it but it's like look this is this is the lord that's saying it's not me you have to be spiritually present and what I mean by spiritually present, it's, it's what it says on the tin. It's like you have to be there, not just physically, but your mind, your heart has to be engaging. And I think, unfortunately, we you miss out on so much when you keep yourself shielded off from the Holy Spirit. You know, when you're just like, yeah, I'm here, but I'm not going to get too excited and I'm going to kind of...
0: You ain't getting me. Right.
1: And and you, man, you and I have missed out on so much where I'm, if I open the door and allow the Lord to do whatever the Lord wants to do in that time, the Lord doesn't take very long. It can, it, 20 minutes is plenty of singing for the Lord to take you from wherever you came in, whatever was going on in your heart to prepare your heart for for being in the word, for hearing from him, for being corrected or being encouraged. And there's a reason we do it in that order. You know, I tell people, yes, look, like, there is. this is why we have the singing is to prepare your heart. I, I understand you come from a hectic, oh, we were driving and we're trying to get here. And the week was terrible. That, that's why Getting it's him
0: kids in the car. Yeah. And that's it's, <laughs>
1: it's this time to say, OK, but I'm now going to refocus my heart and my mind on the Lord. And I would look, I'm not going to judge anybody, but here's what I will say. I am not a singer, (laughs) I don't have a, a, a trained voice and I'm not a, I'm not the kind of person that is even musically, like I like listening to music, but participating in music isn't something that's fun for me. I know that I will tell you, I can't do that silently. I can't really be yeah, present. I mean, you've
0: got to actually sing. Yes, Open like, your mouth. And exactly. Sing.
1: I can't really be present and engaged and hearing from the Lord if I'm just kinda of sitting there with my arms crossed, kind of just listening to everybody. If but look, you gotta be willing to feel awkward. You gotta be willing to put yourself out there. And and when you do that, the Lord meets you in that. And, yeah, yeah. And so that, it is. Being and some engaged. of this is
0: on the worship team or the worship leader, or music minister, or whatever you call. Sure. It, uh, to make sure that it is conducive for you to sing, right? They're mm-hmm. not all over the place,
1: you know, and where you <laughs> yeah. can't follow.
0: That uh, that it's loud enough that right. people, especially men, don't feel like if I sing, everybody's going to hear my voice. Mm-hmm. Um, there's lots of things that go into that, but. You know, ultimately, this is a discipline. You are training yeah. yourself to come in and, with the congregation, give praise to the Lord. You spend all week hearing people say nasty things about Jesus, hearing people talk up everything else and every other kind of philosophy, and you get frustrated and you get angry and you come into the house of God. Man, at least at least twice a week or whatever you're doing at this place, at this hour, all of us together are exalting Jesus yep. the way he deserves to be exalted. Yeah. And, uh when people say things like, "Well, I just don't really get anything out of it," well, I'm sorry, it's not for you. Mm. It will benefit you, but it's ultimately not for you. Any more than anything we do as a Christian is for us. It's for the Lord who bled and died for you. You've got to learn to get something out of it. You've got to do it out of obedience first, and then you will you will see the Lord do these things. So, and like you said, remember it's a discipline. So to me, it's like. A- Yeah. Make yourself do it. Yeah. If you're not (laughs) right. I mean,
1: honestly, yeah. It's like, come on. Like, and also if you're not getting anything out of it. Okay. I understand that sometimes look you might, Hey, it's okay to have a whole worship service where you emotionally, I didn't really have a big takeaway. The Lord didn't really do. Okay. That's fine. It's you're not making yourself experience an emotional ecstatic state or working yourself up or faking anything. But let me say, if, if that's your experience over a month, then I would say, look, Sometimes when I go to the gym, I'm not getting a lot out of it either, but I'm going to do the reps. Right. And I'm going to do the reps until I get something out of it, right? You're not going to wait until you feel it and then go to the gym. Yeah. And so it's and in that order, you know.
0: You tell your kids this sometimes too yeah. when you say, you know, did you like uh, how did you like school? I hated it. Well, did you talk to anybody? No. Did you, you right. know, did you play with anybody? No. Did you, you know, well, then you're not going to like it, you right. know, like, oh, we invited you to the thing and you sat there miserable the whole time and left as soon as it was over. Well, yeah, you've got to engage. So there mm. are there are a couple of practicalities I want to get to here because there are things that we do in church during worship that I, I want to make sure I mention that are important and that are ways that you can yep. engage. So something as simple as lifting your hands during worship. Uh A lot of people feel uncomfortable doing that, but it is very hard to read the book of Psalms and come away with any idea (laughs) that that is not normal or good. We lift our hands for all kinds of things, right? You lift up your hands when your team scores a touchdown, right, out of celebration <laughs> and exuber. You raise your hands out of defiance, right, to the somebody that wants to try to make you do something. It's like I'll never, and you raise your fist, right, and you you kind of defying the darkness a little bit. And mm-hmm. you raise up your hands like when you're when you're a little kid and you're trying to have your daddy pick you up and hold you. Like yeah. there's all kinds of things you're receiving something from the Lord. It's it's pretty much, I'm lifting the antenna toward heaven, so to speak. I, I'm orienting <laughs> yeah. myself towards yeah, yeah. God as I sing this praise. Although, I have a story here. <laughs> I want to say this was my mother, but it, it may be just one of her stories from another friend. That, oh, I've heard this uh, one. She came to a church and um, lifted up her one hand during the service to worship, and one of the ushers tapped her on the shoulder and said, does your TV get good reception with only one antenna? <laughs> he told her, "If you're gonna raise your hands, you better raise both." It's like, "Whoa, dude, come on!" So, uh, I, I I don't believe that was a Calvary Chapel, but yeah, yeah, I sure hope it wasn't. We allow but, for we allow for diversity yeah, in worship stuff. Not that kind of diversity, man. Shoot, but yeah, That's I muddy. mean, it's not magic, but it's right. uh, you know, it's engaging your body a little bit. And yeah. uh, related to that is kneeling. Why do we kneel? Mm. Well, it's obvious. We kneel before the king. Right. We kneel to, in submission. We kneel sometimes we're just so we're feeling so down and so distraught. It's like, you know, going to your knees is a way of saying Look, this is where I am, God. I'm this low mm-hmm. or this is where I need to be. Right? Right? I I need to be this low and and sometimes you do these things. At least in my experience, Zach, where I don't feel particularly humble. But we're singing right. this song, yes, and I know I'm supposed to be. So you know what? I'm gonna get on my knees as an outward expression of God. You know, my heart ain't right right now, but this is where my will is yep. is with you, and and God meets you in that place. And this
1: is look, just I, I, this is from personal experience with the Lord. If if you are a person who is struggling emotionally to connect with the Lord, you have to make your body do stuff.
0: Yes, and and yeah. this is
1: the, look that you. I'm sorry if that look the the Lord it. it Christianity is not just intellectual, it's spiritual. And what I mean by that is, look, when you, if you are struggling and you're like, Lord, I don't want to do this, or I I don't feel you right now. And you put your body in a posture of submission to the Lord, or you put your body in a posture of supplication to the Lord, or you put your body in a posture of, look, I'm going to praise the Lord, even though I don't have a reason to praise the Lord right now in my mind, in my, you know, in my head, the Lord will work through that. And yes. exactly how does that work? Trust the Lord. Right. And, and exactly how does that work? I don't know. I can tell you it does work. It, it actually does. You're you're a whole person. You have a spirit and a body and a soul. And so the Lord uses all those things together to get you to where you need to be. And the Holy Spirit works through that, man. So I think a lot yeah. of times it's like, like you said, you do it first and then you allow the Lord to work, whether that's singing out loudly or, or allowing your body to be in a different posture maybe than you normally would or whatever.
0: Yeah, closely related to that is closing your eyes. Uh-huh. Um, that kind of... I, I know most people that, that I know who truly love the Lord, man, they just they come in with their eyes closed. You know, if they know the songs, right? They're just going to close their eyes. Um, y- you know, by the way, can I just say briefly how lucky we are to live in the age of the PowerPoint projector during worship? <laughs> We're like, there are the words right there. Well, right. So I don't know the songs. Like, homeboy, <laughs> it's right there. they're up there, uh-huh. right? But yep. closing your eyes uh-huh. is a... Well, it's a number of things right it's a it's a way to focus is the mm-hmm. biggest one for me uh, I'm a pastor I've been a worship leader I've been a staff pastor I've done everything so if I'm in that congregation I can see everything that's going right and going wrong and all I want to do is get up and fix things so I've got to close my eyes right yeah, yeah. you know I've got to close my eyes and focus on the Lord and there all can be also can be a sense of uh, of intimacy with you and the Lord where now it's not us together but it's it's really it's me and Jesus together. Mm-hmm. Uh, So that's one thing. Um, Shouting. Shouting is biblical. How many times does it say, shout unto God, raise your voice unto God? Yep. And as much as I absolutely adore the song, Shout to the Lord. It is kind of funny to me that that is it's a really a slow, slow song. song. <laughs> it's out
1: to the Lord.
0: Hey, don't I, <laughs> I love that? No, song. it's a good song. However, <laughs> it's so slow, <laughs> man. It is. It's a, yeah, It it's is not a very shouty. Nope. Kind of song. Nope. Nope. Um, and this doesn't just have to mean like woo, like you know that kind of shout. But uh, I think that it is totally appropriate, without you know drawing undue attention to yourself, and that's true for all these sure. things. We all know the person that is like has their arms like flapping about and <laughs> smacking people in the back of the head with their eyes closed and it's like yeah an usher needs to come and say something to that person but you know if you're in the middle of a verse right if you finished up the chorus and the band is playing and you're you're you know you're feeling exuberant it's just a shout out, Hallelujah, no. or praise the Lord, Verbal or Amen, expression. right, or Hosanna. I, I th- those things are good, and it mm. gets the congregation feeling more comfortable around you. And it's you're almost participating as a worship leader when you do that. Yes. that it's good to do those things, and yeah, you can do that at the wrong time. You know, when when <laughs> things are down real low and people are feeling, you know, really emotional, and you start you know, Hallelujah. It's like I, you maybe have just punctured the moment for somebody so you got to have sense here um I've never really been in a church uh, that I've pastored or that I've been a part of where dancing was encouraged uh Zach have you ever been to a church where they they danced
1: I have been to some yeah they're overseas um and and it's pretty cool I mean I I think that that's one of those things that like to me it's like I can, in that environment, when I went to that church, I came in with this kind of big chip on my shoulder of like, well, <laughs> the, this is unseemly. Yeah. And then I will tell you what, what the Lord, I'll just say what the Lord did to me in that worship service is the Lord pointed out to me that here was I standing here, not participating, not giving him glory. And here was a bunch of people who were not only doing that, but they were enjoying their worship and that maybe that's a word that you need to have some balance with but i'll just tell you the lord told me he's like look these people are participating and engaged and you know that they are the only thing they're thinking about right now is me because they're acting in a way that's a little bit goofy to everyone else yeah and and it really did it kind of tugged at my conscience and made me realize that the thing with something like dancing if that's an expression that is like makes sense and is not really disruptive in the church you're at right
0: yeah you got to read the room (laughs) yes you do you you really got to know where you are some churches yep uh, i've been to where um there was one church that i I was at and um nobody was really dancing in the aisles but there were a lot of people like walking around wandering in the aisles and that's everybody was doing it that's what they were doing so it wasn't distracting because that's what everybody was doing it was distracting for me because i wasn't used to it but that was on me uh but I, I'm not at a congregation, I'm not pastoring a congregation where I think it would be appropriate for somebody to uh, jump up and dance like, you know, right? like break dance <laughs> in front of the church. <laughs> right. But, I mean, can we. What what would be appropriate in our context? I think, you know, when you're, you've got a, a happy song and you're clapping and you're swaying back and forth, yeah. you know, or you're bobbing your head a little bit, like that's cool, man. <laughs> and if everybody's packed in so tight that nobody feels like they can move, then maybe everybody does need to spread out a little bit and, right? and give some room so that when you're clapping, right? clapping's biblical too, by the way. I uh-huh. mean, your elbows have a little bit of space to <laughs> clap. And, you know, if somebody is a little more free in that, as long as they're not, drawing undue attention to themselves again, that's, that's great.
1: Yeah. We've got people in our church who I would say move more than the average, like than the average in our church. I'm one of them. Yeah. I'll 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 say it. I'm one of them. And nobody like, again, when we're talking about this, it's a thing of like, Hey, just it's okay to read the room, but it's also perfectly. All right. To be at the high point of your room. Yeah. And no, and no one should, and no one should. and, And you as look, if I'm, if you're a, in a leadership position in the church, it's your job to defend the people in the church who are most emotionally engaged from the people who are least emotionally engaged
0: and vice versa sometimes. and vice versa
1: yeah. right so so in other words don't that's a good point the vice versa is good too don't ever let somebody come to you and say well i just think those people in the back are just in sin you, it's your job they don't, now. they
0: clearly don't love jesus right still their are standing it's
1: your job to say hang <laughs> on a second you don't know their heart and you don't like that's not your job right and vice versa well so-and-so is over there doing that that's just not right it's your job to say actually Their zeal for the Lord is encouragement to him. And here's a couple Bible verses to go read (laughs) about, you know, how about be, be, do that for your congregation, because it's okay for us to have a difference. And, and especially in, in our context, let's say there's a tendency for people to be a little bit upset with the people that are at the high end of the bandwidth. And I think it's important for us to say, no, not only is that okay, but we allow for that. We encourage that. We want that. Yes. That's exactly
0: what we want. Yeah. You know, and you got to make sure, I mean, this is a separate lesson, but for anybody who is a pastor in the room, if somebody has a problem with somebody's worship, and you know that the person that has a problem kind of has a problem with everything, it's up to you to, to stiff arm that person. Yeah. Consider the story of David and Michael. Mm-hmm. When Michael saw David <laughs> leaping and dancing yeah. in a linen ephod before the Lord, and he said, I'll become even more undignified than this. He says, Michael, you ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah. I'll do anything for Jesus. And he didn't know him by that name at the time, but you understand. Yeah. And there's really a, a, a bad place to be. It's a bad place to be when you're criticizing somebody else's worship. Yes. But like you said, and I'll, I'll we'll kind of transition out of it with this here, that you want to find the, the upper limit of the room. Here's what I like to say, too. You want to be able to find the upper limit of yourself and the lower limit of yourself. If you're an exuberant person and you love to sing and dance and shout before the Lord, you need to be able to find the part of yourself that can kneel before the Lord, trembling and weeping in his presence. And you might be like me, where that kind of thing doesn't happen a lot because that's just not your temperament. But you need to be able to have access to that and let the Lord bring you there. And if you're the kind of person that tends to stand still and just kind of be in the room, where is your upper limit? Right? Mm. Where is your? What are you comfortable with? And for some of you, it might be, I raise my hand when the worship leader says, come on, everybody, raise your hands. And I clap on the fast songs. And that's about as much as I feel comfortable doing. All right. But find those edges and, mm. and make sure that you have access to all of them so that you're not restricted in the presence of the Lord. But what else? I mean, there's so many other things you can say. There are moments to come to the altar and kneel. There yeah. are times, yeah, open your Bible during the singing, pray with the, your neighbor. Um, but here's what I'll say for those of you that maybe feel like this is all a little outside of your experience. Once you have had a moment in worship where the Holy Spirit just descends upon that place and everyone is hands raised and there are tears flowing and there's knees on the ground or everybody is shouting and, and clapping spontaneously celebrating what God has done. And it seems like the band is even just kind of faded and they're not even really there anymore. (laughs) And you're just, everybody's laid out on the carpet by the Holy Ghost. Once you've had one of those meetings, it will forever change the way you worship because you will know that that is always a possibility. Mm -hmm. And there is always the chance that the Lord could take us back to that place again, and you'll be excited and prepared for that. So that's why we worship. It is a, one of our spiritual disciplines is something we've got to grow in so that we're not just worshiping God by what we do, but by the fruit of our lips, and that we are capable of spiritually engaging with the congregation. Mm-hmm. So that's that's that one. We're going to move on now to another aspect of worship that is uh, not of the same kind, but it is still uh, given to the Lord. This is, speaking of given, this is the discipline of stewardship. Mm. Zach, what is a steward of something?
1: A steward is somebody who i just think of the steward of gondor but um it's, hey, well yeah, use it's, that as it's, your it's, illustration well, if it's, you want it's, look it's uh it's not his it's not your throne but you're sitting in it right you're, you're keeping it for someone else the same thing you know a steward of money is look I, this person usually your boss or your you know your lord the person who is actually it's his money but he's giving it to you to hold to take care of to protect and at some point you're going to return it to him because you're the steward Um, Or you could be a steward of a house. You're the one with the keys, but you're just
0: you're taking care of it. Right. right? You're in charge. You're managing it. Right. Uh, That's what a steward is.
1: And the Bible says that's our position with our our finances, time, all the things Lord gives us.
0: Right. So we're talking about stewardship of resources here. And primarily we're talking about money. And of that, we're primarily talking about tithing. And this is a spiritual discipline for the Christian mm. because this is not something that you do naturally. <laughs> this is not something that people just yes. do. It's like, I just can't stop tithing. And mm. maybe there are people that are so gifted. I am not one of those. Yeah. Uh, but the the offering up of your resources is perhaps the first spiritual discipline. Mm. Going all the way back to, to Cain and Abel, worshiping outside the Garden of Eden, they brought the first fruits of their flocks and the first fruits of... Their fruit, the the produce of the ground, and they offered it to the Lord. That that is the first thing that people did as worship outside of the garden. So this goes way back. That this is not just something that was invented by you know televangelists in the twentieth century. <laughs> yeah, this is managing our resources for the kingdom of God. Right. That we uh, we have these things that God has given us. We acknowledge that God gave them to us. And so we give the first part back to the Lord. And Zach, that that has a huge history in the Old Testament, doesn't it? I mean, that's, that's part of what God told his people in the law to do.
1: Well, yeah, and it was, you gotta remember <clears throat> the reasoning that God gives for these things. He says, look, I want you to be a set apart people. You're gonna be different from other people. And tithing makes you different. <laughs> I doubt that there are a lot of people in your neighborhood or in your community who when they get their check, they set aside a significant part and notice how yes, because people will say, "Well, the, the New Testament doesn't say it has to be 10 percent." You're right; it doesn't. We'll, we'll talk about some some guidelines around and that, we'll get but to proportions, right? In it's in a, a significant. Let's just say a significant part of your income immediately gets set aside and goes towards a a a, a thing that you don't don't benefit from directly, right? Financially, You're, here's just some money that I'm going to give back to the Lord to use in whatever way He sees fit. That is weird. Yeah, <laughs> that's weird that's not, in America. That's not common. I mean, no.
0: people talk about giving to charity. Yeah, uh, but tithing is different than that. Yeah, because we're giving it to God, and we're giving it to the people that God has appointed to be in charge of those things. Mm. And uh, this is important. This is something that because so many people, so many bad actors have uh, abused this yep. and said things like, you know, if you buy this miracle wallet for a thousand dollars, the wallet will never be empty because God's blessing is on it. And yeah, that's sick. All right. There are people that really take advantage of it and who get into ministry, uh, because they want to make money. And the Bible warned us about people like that. that want to fleece the sheep. This isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about, uh, ourselves personally tithing. Now, what does this do for us? What, what it does for you is it teaches you to have a loose hand on the things of the world. Mm. And that's something even those that are not Christians can get behind. That we, we always talk about, oh, well, the things you own, own you. And we're so materialistic and we're so obsessed with stuff. And what the Lord says is, I want you to take the first tenth of it. That's a tithe, right? Take the first tenth and give it away. Give it to me. And then you can have what's left. And what this teaches you is, yeah, this isn't mine. And I can give it away. And 10 is a small portion, but it's a substantial proportion, right? Yeah. And it's enough that it you notice it. Yes, you do. <laughs> and so what, what this is teaching you is that, yeah, money is money is no thing. And that, that's an important theological note to make, that the Bible does not see money as an evil thing. It views it as a neutral thing, Mm-mm. which in most of our cases means we need to be more cagey about it, right? The Bible says right. those who desire to be rich... Uh, enter into a snare, mm-hmm. right? Because when you are, are so obsessed with having money, I mean, we don't need to talk about this, but you become greedy, you become uh, paranoid, you become covetous and, and you're like, this is what I have to have. But the Bible looks at money as it's just, it's one tool among many that you have. And if you do have it, rejoice that you have it. But also if you lose it, rejoice that you lost it because it shows that this, these things don't have a hold on you. Yeah. We don't value money for its own sake. We value things that are beyond that. So we are free with it. The Bible says God gave it to you anyway. So, I mean, give it away. Don't, don't hoard and it, it so
1: much. I think it also refocuses you. It does in my life. It refocuses you on the source of your provision, right? And that's what God said in the law. He said, look, I gave you... The, fr- the fruits and the the produce and the, now you give it back to me and see, he says all the time, he says, now check out, if you do this, if you bring in the full tithe, see if I'm not going to take care of you. See if I'm not going to yeah. bless you, right? He, he told them often, especially when they refused to do it. He said, well, how are you doing with that? <laughs> is, is it, is it stacking up and accruing to you? No, he said, I, I'm not letting you be wealthy through cheating me out of the thing I've asked for, right? And so I think it's, look, as I if you're a person who tends to be a little bit more like, I'll just say me personally, I'm a thinker, I'm a saver, I'm an investor, I love all that stuff. This could be hard for you. This might be a spiritual discipline that you might have to say, you know what, this is going to take a little extra for me from the Lord, but I'll say personally, you will you will learn where your your money actually comes from when you do that that sacrifice. And I think not only is it good for us, but it's... It's vital. It's the only way that the the local church really functions. Well. Oh, that's
0: that's huge. Yeah. And that's and the, the, prophet, uh, the prophet Haggai in the Old Testament. Yeah. Um, the situation is the children of Israel, or the Jews at that time as they were called, had come back from Babylon. Right. But they had not built the temple yet. They had been intimidated out of building it, but they were making their houses look great. Mm. And so the prophet comes in and he tells them in verse 6 of the first chapter, You've sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. You ever feel that way? (laughs) Everybody say amen. And then skipping down to verse 9, he says, You looked for much, and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Mm. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Mm. Lord said, I have deliberately withheld blessing from you because you are using your resources to advance yourself and neglect my house. Right. The only way that the church of Jesus Christ is able to function with its with its resources is through the gifts of the church. We don't make money, right? We don't provide right. goods and services. Like we are a... The church is people. We come together and pool our resources so that those that labor in preaching and teaching are able to do so full time, that we're able to engage in all of the different ministries and outreaches that we have, that we're able to have facilities and keep the lights on and water and all of that. And that when somebody in the church needs help, we're able to financially yep. help them. And if the church doesn't give, we can't do those things. Right. Uh, I I wish I had the stat in front of me, but I I believe it was the Barna Group a few years ago who did some research that said if every Christian who went to church tithed, just tithing, we'll talk about proportions in a second, but just tithe they just gave 10%, every church budget would be fully met, every missionary would be fully supported, and there would be no parachurch ministries that ever needed to do fundraising, Mm -hmm. just through the tithe. Right. So if you ever see... Churches that are unable to do what they want to do, a pastor that can't accomplish the vision that God has given to him, uh, ministries that are unable to continue, or missionaries that have to come home, that in large measure is a failure of the church to be free with their their resources and to tithe and to give unto the Lord for the work. And Zach, I think in a in a culture such as ours, as wealthy as we are, yep. we have no excuse in that department. Well,
1: not only do we have no excuse, but sometimes, and I want to be careful because I understand a lot of people, they have this, you may have some really deep hurt in your background with involving church and money. And I, I see that and I respect that, right? But here's the thing, we can never, in no area is it good for us to do our theology by reacting to abuses of a spiritual doctrine, right? You can't set up your theology by saying, well, this person teaches this weird thing, so I'm not going to touch the underlying doctrine. That's a bad way to go. What does
0: the word say?
1: Right. And what the word makes very clear is that this is important for the believer. This is important for us as, as the capital C global church, right, that we do this. And a lot of times I'll hear people say, "Well, I show up and I get the teaching from this guy and I appreciate that, but I don't know what they're doing with the money, so I don't trust him." And I'll just say, I Tyler, maybe this is easier for me to say cuz I'm not the lead pastor of a church. If you don't trust a pastor with your money, then I don't believe that you ought to be at that church.
0: Hmm. You, I I think that's fair to say. If you're not
1: able if you're not able to and I I know that this is a sensitive thing to say, but you listen to me on this. If you're not able to submit as a, as a family, as a group of people, you, you know, always to the, to the leadership of the church. And that submission doesn't mean, look guys do terrible things and you're not, don't ever let somebody look at your, you know, your W2 and, and double check on you. And that's wrong, wrong, wrong. In our church, our pastor does not know who gives and what they give. We have carefully made it so that that's so right. Don't ever allow someone to meddle in your life like that. But Spiritually, if you're saying this man is the is the spiritual leader of our of our family, and yet you don't know you don't trust him with the resources that God says he needs to accomplish the vision, then I'd say I don't know that he's actually your your pastor.
0: Yeah, you can you can uh, teach me about the Bible, and you can disciple my kids, and you can pray for my soul, but you're not getting my money. And right, and (laughs) and look backwards. It it is
1: backwards, and not only is it backwards, but I'll just share gently, brother or sister in Christ, like. it is dangerous to go somewhere to just be taught and to not have a pastor. And it's a very common thing that happens in the church now that people are in a church and they're there, but that man is not their pastor. And what that means is that when you have a deep struggle in your life, you're not ready to hear him because he's not actually your pastor, right? Now, does giving money magically make that so? No, but I'll just share in my life, there has been Real fruit that's been born from being all in with one place, skin one in church. Game. Yes, you do. And and look, you have skin in the game. And let's be real, guys. I get it. You you look back at the end of the year and you say, "Wait, we gave what? Like <laughs> that all went over there." It's a big. You're like, "Wow, that's a big deal." And and you think you're you're tempted to think, "Well, we could have done this and that." Yeah, you could have. But the Lord did this instead. The Lord corporately built His church through all of the individual, non coerced non-guilted freely made gifts. Look what the Lord did, right? Yeah. And and the joy that comes we, every year we talk to our church and we say, "Hey guys, look how the Lord did this. The Lord brought in this amount of money that we never could have believed the Lord could bring in, and he did this. He got this. The Lord took care of this salary. He's taking care of this building project. He's done all that." And the the corporate joy that we feel as a church, you can't get that by just saying, "Well, we, you know, we yelled at everybody until they gave the money." It's been freely brought in. And yeah. I think that's important.
0: Yeah. It's. I love look, listening to old preachers from like, well, from way back as yeah, much yeah. as I can. But especially in, you know, they like the the fifties, sixties, seventies, and even after. Um, but what I love listening to some of these old preachers is, this, they'll just talk so, so directly about tithing without beating the people up. But they'll insist they'll say mm-hmm. things like, "All right, you know, this is the new year. What are you going to be giving? Are you going to be tithing? Are you going to increase what the Lord is allowing you to give?" and you know, I hear that and I go, oh, just be careful. People don't like talking about money. But mm. these old saints that just like, they're like, I don't care. It's in the Bible. I'm going to talk about it. And I'm like, I need to get better at that. And that's true. I, the Bible tells us that we ought to be giving of our of our tithe and of our offerings. So I want to just give some practical things now and about this. And um, while just mentioning again, y'all, if, if you are not tithing because you are trying to maintain a certain lifestyle mm. that's not good you yeah. guys yeah and well i'll tie that i'm rich no you won't man if you <laughs> yeah. if you ain't tithing when you're poor <laughs> no, no, you're no. not tithing when you're rich yeah. it's it's yeah so yeah. look if you're like well but we've got a, that boat payment that's coming up and stuff and, <laughs> and it's like yeah. really man that thing's gonna rust out lay up yeah. some treasure in heaven jesus would say yeah. so uh i here the bible tells us in second corinthians 9 verse 7 Related to the giving of money. He said, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. So let me break that down real fast. Each one must give. Like you start with that, right? If you're at the church, you're part of the church, you need to be contributing to what's going on there. As he has decided in his heart. So he's telling us there's no set proportion or amount or percentage that needs to be given. As he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly. So that means don't be don't be, well, I suppose I ought to give something. It's like, well, <laughs> get that attitude under control, man, and and then give. Or under compulsion. We've talked about that. This isn't the pastor's job to force people to do things. For God loves a cheerful giver. That should be done cheerfully and generously. So when we talk about proportion, people want to say, well, the old testament they had to had a 10% tithe. Actually, they had lots of 10% tithes. Yeah, that's true. And there was all sorts of voluntary offerings that they were supposed to bring. And uh, one analysis put it at something closer to 23% that they were giving of what they brought in uh, to the service of the tabernacle and the Levites and all that. Um, So... It's If you say tithe, they're actually less than what the Old Testament required. But I think 10% is great. We see that number an awful lot in the Bible. Uh, We see Abraham uh, giving a tithe to Melchizedek. We see Jacob talking about giving a tithe to the Lord. And uh, that was the main proportion that the Israelites were to give. I think that's just a great place to start is 10%. And here is, this is not, you know, gospel and there are others that would disagree. But here's what I would say. I would say that the top 10% of whatever you make should be cut right off the top and given to the church. No questions asked. No debate. Boom. Mm -hmm. 10% is is given. Because that teaches you that God has a hold on your life. He has a call in your life, and it's not your money. Right. That teaches teaches you that lesson. And uh, yes, 10%. I also think that above that there ought to be occasional gifts that are given to meet certain needs, to support certain ministries or missionaries, sure. and uh, as the the pastor expresses a need for it. So, I think a very unfortunate thing that happens, and this is uh, this is uh, you know my own experience, but a lot of a lot of folks they they come to church, they don't give to their church, but they're giving to five or six parachurch ministries, mm-hmm. which are good things. But I think that that is that is backwards. Right, I, I think that part of the problem in the American church, and I realize I'm getting on a soapbox here, is many people have more love for uh, these ministries and these worship artists and these online pastors than they do their own local congregation. Mm-hmm. And I think that it ought to first be going to the place where you worship, and it ought to be part of the place where you you give. I think then above that, if you want to give to missions, if you want to give to a uh, a cause that you know is worthy. One, if the pastor announces a building project or something like that, then what you give should be above that, and that—that's how I do it. That's how I was taught to do it, and I, I think that's the best way. Because if you only have a, a small amount or small percentage that you're giving and you're just redistributing it, then uh, you know I think what that—I don't know if you can call that hilarious giving—is is the Greek word there, cheerful giving <laughs> and generous right. giving—that right. uh, it's a delight to give to the lord so i mean zach do you have any practical thoughts on any of this related yeah to
1: real practical here's some things i've learned about it is number one i think it's in this day and age there are so many ways that you can do it so that you don't forget this is so dumb don't forget yeah. <laughs> don't forget to do it. And look, it's so easy. Automate right? it, man! Come it's on. So, yeah. Right. Like there's so many ways that you can make it. Look, you, you schedule your bills. Why? Cause you don't want to forget them. It'd be bad if you forget them. And and I used to feel bad about this. Oh, that's being legalistic. And I, I should no make sure that you don't forget it. And that way it just happens. And you know, Hey, this is a part of our life that we do. Right. I'll also say, you know, this is specifically, let's say that, well, I really genuinely, you don't understand. It would cause a financial hardship for us to do 10% right now. Okay, can I just say I think here's a good practice to do: give something rather than nothing.
0: Yes. Right.
1: So let's say, and I have been, I have been in that position where you know what, we are not going to be able to do 10% right now for whatever reason. Okay, for a temporary time, have a conversation in your family. Say we are going to need to do this, but we're going to do this rather than nothing because we want to make sure, even if it's just a symbolic act for us, we're going to give something to the Lord, and then. Really quickly, don't let yourself get comfortable with that. <laughs> Revisit yeah. that real quickly and say, okay, we can get back to this place where we can tithe. If that sounds legalistic or whatever, okay. It's not legalistic. Pray about it. It isn't. And I'll <laughs> say in my life, we have benefited from most of the time, most of the time, we are giving 10% to the church. And that that has been one of the, it's really has just taught us a lot. It's been hard, but it's taught us a lot.
0: Yeah. And I would say, if you find yourself, as I have many times, mm. where I can't give 10% to the church, don't then be going out to eat and getting <laughs> right. Starbucks every that's day. True. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. you know, adding another streaming subscription. Like, don't then go shopping and buy some new shoes. Like, you know, I'm, if you need shoes, like, that's one thing. But if you're just like, <laughs> right. I just want shoes, <laughs> yeah. retail therapy, it, then. Honor the Lord. Mm. Honor the Lord with these things, and say, you know, oh, I don't know if we can make our tithe. They say, okay, well, what else can we cut first, or in addition to this? Right. Uh, it shouldn't be the first thing out the window. Yes. You know, uh, as we, yeah, because it, it trains you guys. It yeah. trains you that God is first, and that my stuff is God's stuff, and it will slow you down. It'll it'll liberate you from the things that you own. But I'll just say this too, man. <laughs> it's really hilarious that. In the internet age, we are watching people recreate church with other stuff. So yeah, but you find in pieces a, you, and parts. You yeah. find a podcast you love. Right. So you sit there and listen to you know three hours of a guy talking, and people say, "Oh, people can't listen to long sermons anymore." It's like, <laughs> yeah, right, man. <laughs> and then they'll give to that guy's Patreon. Mm-hmm. they so they're tithing, and then they join the Discord and they talk in that. And now you're fellowshipping. It's like man, you're you're just doing all these same things. So listen. People give to all kinds of stuff. They give to Kickstarters. They give to GoFundMes. Yep. They give to, uh, like I said, they subscribe to Patreon accounts. Don't tell me you can't give something to the Lord. God mm. will not be pleased by that if you have space in your budget for all these things, but not enough for Jesus. Yeah,
1: and, and it's it's a good, we always talk about this, like, don't, don't, don't only do something in the secular world or in the physical world and think that somehow that doesn't have a spiritual benefit right god made you like that for a reason well i give to this person because it really helps me feel connected to them and like i'm i'm i'm, I'm helping they them do, i love what they, they do right well hey do that with your pastor yeah and like i said no this is this is not intended because you know this may sound like like unworked out issues that we have we actually praise the lord we are serving in a fellowship where this is done like and, and people are doing this and they're they're serving in this way and it's wonderful to see so this isn't my angst right i'm just saying genuinely if you're at a fellowship where you genuinely have concerns about what would happen with your money or you have concerns about the pastor's vision or you're like i just don't i don't know if i'm 100 behind it but be free go be, be, because then you'll end up with this real joy of being in a place where you say, "I am so excited about what I see the Lord doing here that I'm voluntarily, sacrificially giving money to to make this go more, and and that will bind your heart to what's going on. It'll make you excited. You will have skin in the game, and there's a reason that God asked us to do it. He knows it's, He knows it's good for us.
0: Yeah, and let it go, man. Once you just real quick, once you give it, let it go. Don't check oh, up on oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. The last sure. time I gave sure, and sure, you sure. did. If they're misusing your money, right. that's one thing. Right. If you would have done it differently, that's not the same thing. <laughs> yeah. All right? And yeah. and in fact, in in the United States, it is illegal for a pastor or a church or any other nonprofit to do something in exchange for a gift. That is true. So, yeah. well, I'll give you this money if you spend it on the new, the new uh, air conditioning system because it's too hot in here. That, you know, they may take that into consideration, but you cannot even legally hold it over their head and say, "Well, this was contingent upon that." Right. It's like and that. they're
1: not allowed to. Pr- you can't make that promise yeah. as, a, as a as a pastor. You can't say, "Oh, well, you know."
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's an exchange. The, the, you can't the do response that. should be, "May your money perish with you." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In that case, and and one uh, more time, guys, we are so rich in this country. Yeah. We have you know, if you're sitting around with two iPhones and three cars and a television in every room and you've never been hungry and you're talking about how we need to eat less because we're getting fat and you have clothes every single day. Don't sit there and tell me that I can't give to the church because it's just what you're doing is you're chasing a. If you're chasing a lifestyle that does not give you room to worship God with your money, you are bound, my friend. So be loosed and give to the church. Hmm. Stewardship is a spiritual discipline. Yep. Well, the last one we're going to discuss today Related to these two, because we're talking about corporate disciplines today, is fellowship. Fellowship. Fellowship comes from the Greek word koinonia. That's one of like five Greek words that every good Christian knows. Koinonia, (laughs) right there with agape, maybe. Uh, Koinonia is related to the Greek word for common, koine Greek is common Mm -hmm. Greek. So koinonia is like community or commonality or communion is related to that. Fellowship is coming to church so that we can have fellowship with one another. We can have friendships with one another, interact with one another, and have a relationship that is centered around Jesus Christ, which is he is what we have in Koine, in common, it's relationships and interactions centered around the person of Jesus Christ. So Zach, what what makes fellowship different from a regular relationship?
1: Oh, that's a good question. Or a
0: regular friendship that's or a work question. relationship?
1: Um, I think it's like, it can include a regular relationship, but it's more so. So for example, I, a lot of, most of my friends in the world go to my church. <laughs> Right. Because I met my church all the time and these are the people I hang out with. And and that's not bad. Right. That doesn't mean that we're not having fellowship. But we always used to say, my pastor would always say, look, if you're hanging out and the game's on and there's chips out, that's friendship. And that's cool. That's fine. But it's not fellowship until you're also you've been hanging out and you're kind of out of chips and the game's done. And you're saying, hey, how how is the, how are things going with your walk with the Lord right now? or what are some things that I could be praying for you for? Or, hey, how, you know, now we're having fellowship, right? When we're it's it's hanging out around Jesus, around a relationship with the Lord, we're yeah. encouraging each other in spiritual things and it's not just surface conversation th- that kind yeah. of thing.
0: We don't want to be uh you don't want to pit fellowship and friendship against each other. But there is a difference. Yes, Uh, All of my godless friends in high school used to love coming to the youth group. (laughs) And uh, I remember one person being asked by a youth leader or by somebody who just, they never worshipped, you know, engaged. They never prayed. They tried to get out as fast as they can. And they were asked, what do you even come to church for? And he goes, (laughs) for the fellowship. (laughs) And it's like, what he means is all my friends are here. And that's not exactly the same thing, but... Friendship is certainly part of it. I would say that we are now out of the the COVID-19 coronavirus pandemic. If we ever learned the importance of fellowship, hopefully yep. it was during this time. Yeah. And if you didn't learn it then, you ain't going to learn it. Mm. All right. This is when we weren't allowed to come together. We weren't allowed to, to fellowship. We weren't allowed to worship in the same place. It was hard. Uh, yeah. Whether we weren't allowed or we just couldn't for health concerns. For our church, it was about five weeks. And that was enough, man. Shoot. But I know some places that, I mean, they're still barely able Mm. to get back together. But Hebrews 10, this kind of was the theme verse of the pandemic for the church, uh, where it said, "'Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the capital D day drawing near.'" that the gathering of the church is essential to the Christian life, and it's essential to the growth of an individual Christian. Yeah. You no, know, Zach, I learned a new word the other day. This is, uh, this is a psychology word. The word is parasocial. Are you aware of what a parasocial I relationship is? very aware of what a parasocial right. relationship a para- is. We were just talking about this a little <laughs> bit ago with the, the Patreon you, thing.
1: You, dear listener, may be having a parasocial relationship with us right now. <laughs> <laughs> We'd love to make it a real one, but a
0: parasocial relationship is when uh-huh. you know somebody from a distance. Yep and you begin to confuse your familiarity with their work and their public persona with actual friendship and intimacy with the person. Mm. So this can be, (laughs) I mean, most commonly it happens with like celebrities or athletes where like people talk about, uh, I don't know, Kim Kardashian, like they know her. And they, you know, or they refer to like Tom Brady by his first name or, so you know, um, <laughs> yeah. or podcast hosts is yes. a common one or YouTubers or vloggers where you see them every day and you hear them talk every day so that you you grow attached to them, which is that's fine. That's good. I, you need that in one sense. But if you start to confuse that for a real friendship, right, then you meet the person in person and uh they don't have that reciprocal relationship with you and they seem cold and professional and formal and people can be devastated by that and they you know this is this is not healthy and it's not good and you know, I think that part of the problem that that happens with online church is that you end up having a parasocial relationship with the the pastor mm. with the and that can happen in a congregation too. Yes, I mean, it can, but yeah. <laughs> uh, where you don't have any real friends. Right. Like you everybody you meet is, through the internet is uh, it's carefully curated and it's carefully mm. crafted and you're not really talking to the person and those things can grow and I know people that got married after meeting online. So, yeah, yeah. you know, but uh, So many social issues like that are addressed by having a congregation that you attend. And so let's just, I mean, go through these. I mean, the things that are, that are people say, Oh, this doesn't happen anymore. We've lost this. We don't have this anymore. It's like, well, we got that at church. We were talking
1: about that with tithing and it sounds, it's, it's not crass or worldly to say it's so important to realize, look, God, God is infinitely wise. He made you, he knows how you work. So when he explained to you, look, I want you to take a whole day off, one day a week, I want you to take a day off, and I want you to rest, you can't work. Now I want you to show up in one place with all of the people who you you all love me, you all are, are serving me, you're giving me your whole life, and I want you to remind each other of who I am, I want you to teach each other, encourage each other, do all these things, I want you to spend time with them, and you got to keep doing it, you got to do it every week. And then we stop doing that, and people say, "Well, I just don't understand why our culture feels so disconnected, and why we, why it's so difficult for us to make true friendships, and why, why people just kind of go into these bedroom communities and they never see one another." It's like, "I, hey, I, I do. I, I know. I'm raising my hand. I, I know why. It's because that was the role of the church. Yes, is the role, should be the role of the church in your community. And I'm not just saying like." to keep together a Mayberry, like Western Christianity, American thing, far more important than that. Who cares about that? I care about that, that but it's not
0: as important. Right, okay, yes, but I'm (laughs) saying beyond that,
1: it's important for you as a person who are saying, I want to follow Jesus, the only way Jesus has told us to do that is in community with each other. Right, and I know that community is can be a cheesy word, and people use it for kinds of weird things. It
0: was a it was a huge buzzword. A huge few years buzzword, ago, man. It used to drive me crazy. But
1: what is the what does the word say about it? That that passage where it says they had all things in common. Yeah. And you can make weird things out of that. Here's the thing that is pretty clear. It's saying, hey, they shared stuff, their lives, yeah. their time, their resources if necessary, their their the things that they had available to them they shared. And a lot of times, guys, if you're if you personally are struggling with loneliness, if you're struggling with and I'm not laughing at this stuff, it's real. If you're struggling with feeling disconnected from people, if if in your walk, you're struggling with sanctification, if there's a sin (laughs) that's dogging you or whatever,
0: go to church. Yeah, so (laughs) many times
1: I, I we ask people, hey, well. Yeah, that seems like it's really a bummer that you're going on with that. I also haven't seen you for a, a month and a half. Now, is that a magical, well, I showed up at church? No, no, no. But it they work together. Being around other believers stirs you up to love and good works, the word says. Yeah. It, it, those things I go mean, together. Let me jump
0: on that Mayberry thing. Just, yeah, yeah. I wasn't planning on talking about that. No, this, no, it's fine. The reason I said I care is because you... you Go back and watch one of those old movies. And I realize they're movies, but like where, you know, they're going to have the barn dance where like everybody comes together and they all kind of know each other and they have these relationships and there's even people there that they don't quite like very much, but you kind of have to put up with them because these are your people. And it was so, it's, you know, that's a persona too in a way. But I mean, today we're so disconnected and everybody knows we're disconnected. It's like, where do you get a piece of that? The answer is you get that at church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And hopefully, functioning, healthy churches help to cultivate that in the rest of the community, too. Yes. But I'm going to run through a a list of things here that I'm just kind of coming off the top of my head here. But things that people say we don't have in this day and age, and I largely agree, that I get from church. Yes. And the first one is friends. Yeah. Real (laughs) good friends. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have lots of friends. You know, my wife and I realized this because um, we met some people just in town, and Mm -hmm. I. you know, there was somebody that we like very much, but we've only met a couple times. And, you know, since then, we've been invited several times to spend time with this person to the point where I kind of made the comics, I'm I'm the husband and this is my responsibility. It's <laughs> like, we hardly know this person. It's like, she she's inviting us to that? That seems like, you know, moving a little quick. And then we kind of realized, and my wife, who's more perceptive than me in such things, said, I don't think she has very many friends. Right. And I realized, I don't think most people have very many friends. Right. And I do, not because yeah. I'm great, but because I go to church. Yeah, yeah. I have friends. I have people that I, I see all the time to where it's like, how are we ever going to spend time with all these people and maintain these these relationships? Mm-hmm. Because it, you're seeing the same people every week. It's that high school thing. You met people in high school and made good lifelong friendships there because you saw them every day. Repetition, yeah. Yeah, and even people that you don't <laughs> like. That you kind of uh, learn to get along. And that's another yes. thing. Let's move on to another one. Yeah. You learn to get along with people. Yes, You have to get along with people because you're going to see them every day. Yep. Now, this can be bad where people leave a church anytime they meet somebody that they don't like. Well, yeah. good luck, pal. You're going to end up never <laughs> going anywhere. Correct. That you, you have to have that. And you know what's funny? You watch TV and we see all these great... Uh, TV shows where you've got this motley gang of, of friends mm-hmm. who don't really get along all the time, but they have this deep bond that would never break, and they're together. And uh, you know, shows like Community, shows like uh-huh. The Office, yeah. or or whatever, where you have this gang of people, and then the show's over, and you almost get tearful because it's like, oh, we're not going to see them anymore. But right. where do you see that? You see that at church, bro. Oh, yeah. That that's where you meet people that are not from your world. They're not from, right. but you've got. Jesus in common, and if you have a good pastor, he teaches you how to get how to get along. You yeah. have to learn that. Uh, you people say, "Well, we don't have anybody that's just going to call each other out anymore." Who do you have? Someone who's going to call <laughs> you out? That's what church is for, man. <laughs> yep. To have people where you have an agreed upon standard, which is the Word of God, and we hold each other to that.
1: Because yeah, remember, these people know you,
0: so they yeah, know and, your
1: junk. They then they yeah. and 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 hopefully they know you not...
0: well enough to risk your that where you're not. It's not such a beautiful, fragile, right? You know, origami relationship where if I say the wrong thing, nope. it might break. And it's they, like,
1: and and they're going to give there's going to be grace given, so they're willing to say, you know what, I'm going to say this, I'm going to take this risk, even though I know things might be uncomfortable for a while, but we're going to be okay because look, we're not going anywhere. Like you're my, you know, yeah. and, and we're and, here, we're all in. And look how these layers all build together too. When you are friends with somebody, that means that you can take a different kind of rebuke from that person. Yeah. Right. Then just if I'm just ac- church acquaintances with you and you rebuke me, I'm gonna feel a little bit like, dude, like, hang on, like, we don't know each other like that. But when you're my friend, when we've hung out outside of church, when we've sat on each other's front porch and talked till midnight, when we these are real things, I'm you know, like then and you say, hey man, this you know you can't do that. I yeah. I I'm gonna listen to you, right, because you have that role in my life. Yeah. And you have to have that.
0: Yeah, another one I have here is people say, Well, the the different ages and generations never have any interaction with each other. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. You get that in church, man. Yes, you do. You get old folks, you get middle aged folks, you get young families, you get, you know, couples that are just getting together and dating. You get teenagers, you get children. Mm -hmm. I mean, where where else do you get that now? Right. Where you have People, I mean, how healthy is that to have all around you? Yes, you've got people that are younger than you and people that are older than you. You know, if you are a, a parent whose kids have just moved out, maybe they moved away, but there's still children there at the church that mm-hmm. you can love on and hug on. Or maybe you're an old bachelor and you you don't really have a lot of family, but you come together and there's teenagers and yep. there's young men and there's babies. I mean, where else do people get to? See, I don't even know. That, where do people see babies? No, no, yeah, yeah. I mean, you. I've got we we got a relationship with people at church where we just pawn each other's babies oh, off. 100%. I mean, would yeah. you please just hold her? Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Or people come over and say, you're not holding your baby today. I'm holding your baby yeah, because yeah. someone's got baby fever or maybe and my grandkids you just visited and now trust. they're gone. Yeah. And I need this. Yeah. And, you know, you get somebody young who's excitable and then you got somebody who's older and they come in and they say, let, let me teach you a little bit yeah. about how to handle these things. And or, there's
1: like, and remember we said it's things in common. So we're offering these things to each other. Look, I have a family. In my, I have a family environment. I have a wife. I have three children. I have something now to offer a person who's single who doesn't. They don't have that. They don't get to have that atmosphere of the hanging out and the watching how a marriage mm-hmm. works and watching how parenting works. So I can invite them into that. Yeah. And when we have a home fellowship, right, which we do at our church, which means, hey, not even at church time, but people are just coming to my house and they're hanging out after and we're talking about hard life stuff and we're just just discussing the
0: Bible and sometimes we're just laughing and doing dumb stuff. Yeah. I mean, and you got to spend time with people that have been married for 50 years. Yeah. Like, you got to yeah, see that. Please. Your kids <laughs> need to see that. Uh-huh. Your children need to see that mom and dad stay together, but we love each other even when things go bad. Like, right? place where people can come and, like, oh, there's normal here. Mm -hmm. Like there's normalcy. And kids need that interaction with other
1: adults because now they're getting, sometimes they need that like, oh, mom and dad said that and I don't listen to them, but wait, this person said the exact same thing. Maybe mom and dad are Uh right. You know, like all that, you know? For sure.
0: Yeah. Um, Conversation. (laughs) People don't know how to have conversations Uh anymore. Well, when your pastor says, turn to your neighbor and greet them, you got to say hello. And you learn how to have conversations with people. And you get those skills, and I mean, even evangelism, which teaches you how to initiate a conversation with a stranger. Mm-hmm. Like these are skills that you pick up at church, and it's it's actually quite true that often when someone comes to church, it's kind of awkward to talk to them. Because they're in a new place, and sure. maybe they're not used to talking to somebody when there's really no reason to be talking to them. But over time, you learn that, and you get good at that, and you get, you get comfortable talking and being face-to-face with people, and kind of being on the phone all the time feels cheap, and being mm-hmm. on an Instagram just feels cheap because it's not real. Uh, and you really get a, a, a sense of, you know, I don't know any, anywhere else where people have less attachment to social media than in church. Because what you're oh, getting cool. from social yeah, yeah. media, you get from real people at the church. Go ahead.
1: I Now, now this is not always
0: true. And I'm not I, even knocking social media. No, guys. no. I'm just saying Straight up I, there is less, it's still a problem, but there is mm-hmm. less attachment to these things in a functioning, healthy church. And people just will leave their phones off and let them sit down because you have a church. You have a congregation. You have a family that you're, you're together with. Yeah,
1: and I think it, all these things, I, I always encourage people. And you know what's really sad? And I'll, maybe this is a soapbox, but you also see so many people who are trying to now do Christianity without the church. There's a very common now, well, we need these, we need these trad values. So we're going to, we're going to kind of embrace all these symbols that the church has, bro. Christianity doesn't work without the church. Mm -hmm. It's not function. It's not, the church is not a nice to have Christian. It's not a, well, yeah, it would be good if no, no, no. It's non-functional. You cannot walk with the Lord in a viable long-term way. If you don't have these things, if you don't have fellowship, all that stuff we just talked about, you might be a loner. I get it. Like I, I enjoy time alone. So you might say, yeah, but I don't need those. You, you really do. do though. You really do. And look, if you're so mature and you're so awesome and you're so great, that you don't need anybody else. Then where the heck are you? Because we need you to help with some of these other people. Yes. Right? Okay. So you're so, oh, I don't need that anymore. Then get in here and help because there's yes. people who do need that. They're immature. They're young in the faith and they need you, right? So right. It, it all that works together.
0: Yeah. Here's another one. Dating. <laughs> yeah. This is so yes. strange. That yep, yep, I yep. I see all this on online now. People are like, "Where are we supposed to meet people anymore?" And i was like, uh, "Church?" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you meet where are you supposed to meet good Christian people? At church. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's what we do. Is that's one reason I you know, some people Here's, this is an opinion of mine, okay, so some people can <laughs> respectfully disagree, but, you know, when people say things like, well, we don't want our church singles group to be a place where people come to find a wife or a husband, and I say, why ever not? Yeah, isn't that exactly what yeah, yeah. we would want that to right, be? Right, right. It's like so, that, it's not, so instead. Not supposed that like to be... marriage right. is an essential right. thing, but like people oh, hang out there on. are. Wait, 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 are, Oh no, no, hold on. Yeah. To be I a, was gonna say you fought for Mayberry. I'll fight for to, marriage to being be important. To be a believer, you do not need <laughs> True. to be safe. Exactly. To be, uh, exactly. married. So that's okay. That's important. Right. But I mean, people out out in the world now are just crying over like I can't find anybody. Yeah. So why not facilitate? You know, not like play matchmaker necessarily, but. Facil- yeah, well, who knows what it yeah. years, right? But, <laughs> but facilitate that and give people a chance to meet other godly people. Yes. And, you know, youth groups are good for this reason, too. It's like you people that are—you know your values are the same. You mm. know a lot about each other. You know each other's families in many cases. Yep. And it's like, all right, this is the kind of thing that can work. And the church solves that. I mean, Christians get young, married younger than most people. Yes. Because we meet each other and we— have a, we have an agreed-upon definition of marriage, first of all, and right? agreed-upon values and agreed-upon gospel. So, And then the, the last thing I have in here is, uh, is hard times.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How do yeah. you go through hard times alone? It's not easy. But when you're in a church and you have a functioning group of people, I mean, some people, unfortunately, they leave church when they go through hard times. And that's, that's of the devil. That is mm-hmm. of Satan yeah. to get you to leave the congregation of people that ought to be there to help you when you're going through tough times. And some people will even leave church and then blame the church for not chasing after them, but they never took the time to make any friendships. They never got to know anybody and they never let anybody know that they were hurting. Uh, When I struggle, I have all these people around me. We have a small little church. but We have all these people around us that are there to help us, not only financially, but emotionally, and to take care of the kids and to come over and help with the house and just to be there to call and see how you're doing every once in a while. And if you're, if you don't have that kind of friendship and community, I don't know how you're supposed to go through things like that. No.
1: I mean, we've, you know, even, I mean, this is not, not to be like sappy about it, but like you and me have been friends for a long time now. And so we've both seen like our families have gone through hard stuff together, like, like life gut punch stuff. Right. How are you supposed to do that? If you don't have, like, if I showed up one day, super bummed, like you would know. You would notice because you know me enough, right? Same and vice versa. I, that's the role of the church. You come to church and someone sees the hair acting different. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm not going to be rude or weird, but I'm just going to say, hey, like what's going on? Can I, you know, you, you play that role for each other. And yeah, it's, it's, it's super important. And I think if, if you are struggling with hard times or, or let me put it this way, you've got to build that up over time. You can't just dump on people when you have a hard time, you gotta let those relationships grow so that then when you have hard times, those relationships get tested and you can kind of step in and, and hold the line for each other. Um, but yeah, it's it's of course, it's like super important.
0: Yeah, so the re- I, I like to call these things out because I, I hear people address these social ills very often. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, gender roles is another thing where sure. people are like, where are men learning to be men? It's like at church, that's where they're learning to be men. Or are women to, yeah. learning to be women. at? At church, yeah, like you can, whatever it is. God knew what He was doing when He gave us the congregation. (laughs) God, Jesus could have given us anything. He gave us the church. Mm -hmm. I will build my church. This is another thing people will say: is church is is just man's idea. It's a man made thing. It most certainly is not. Jesus told Peter on this rock, "I will build my church." And the Bible tells us to stick together and be together. And because we are so blessed to live in a peaceful and prosperous society, we think, well, I don't know that I need anything from here. Okay. Yes, you do. Yeah. You need this. This is a, needs to be a discipline for you to be around people who have Christ in common, not just to build all these friendships and to build a community, but to, to guard you. right? I mean, we're compared to sheep in the Bible. <laughs> uh, the lone sheep is the one that the wolf is going to pick off. Yep. And people will say, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. no but you better watch out. I've never yeah. seen anybody say that sentence where the story ended well, because you're out and you're yeah, no, you're not yeah. you're not being reinforced. I mean, another thing, you're not being reinforced in what you believe and what is true. You're not being taught what the Bible says. You're not being reminded of things and called out for the things that you're doing wrong. You're not being warned about false teachings and, and people drift and they fall away. And I think, unfortunately, during the pandemic, we saw a lot of people who had already checked out from the church, checked out from the Lord. Yes. And the only thing keeping them there was obligation. And once the obligation was gone, they were completely disconnected. Yeah. And in some cases we were surprised by who came back. It's like, wow, really you, <laughs> you've been all in. Okay. Well, <laughs> yeah. how about that? Yeah. We, you need this guys. You need to have mm-hmm. that, that fellowship with the congregation. You need to seek it out. You do, you need to not show up to church like a customer like, well, what are you going to do for me? Ooh. It's like, no, man, you, you've you got to take responsibility for your own spiritual life, but also recognize that you have spiritual gifts that need to be shared and yeah. to be exercised. And you, the church will not be edified and built up to what it needs to be without you. So don't isolate yourself and don't let the devil replace your priorities. I mean, there's a, so, a million different things that can be brought up instead of church, ranging from extra time at work to vacations and travel and family obligation to sports. I mean, I, I'm, a, I'm dogging on that one, man. If you're going to teach your children that Sunday is for your sporting activities more than for church, if we skip church for you know rain, snow or sunshine, don't be surprised when they grow up and they don't prioritize it. Yeah, It matters. You've got to be there. Be part of the congregation. So we've been over uh, these three things today. We've talked about fellowship. We've talked about uh, stewardship and tithing. And we've talked about worship. These are things that the church does corporately together. Yeah. And these are things that you need to be doing to be growing in your walk with the Lord and to be growing as a disciple in Christ and disciplining yourself to do these things. Do them because they're good. And trust that they're good and trust that the benefits will come. And don't evaluate it, you know, on a quarterly basis to say, am I still benefiting from my my fellowship? It's <laughs> yep. like, no, no, it is good and you've been commanded to do it and it's going to help you grow, man. If you've got sin you're dealing with or pain you're dealing with and you want to know how to handle it, do these things. Yeah. Do these things. So Zach, any closing thoughts from you? No, on this any of these things? this is how the Lord
1: sanctifies you practically. Like if you're, you're, this is where the rubber meets the road as a Christian. A lot of times when I, you know, when we hear people say like, well, I tried being a Christian. I'll always kind of gently push on people and say, hang on a second. <laughs> because did you? this is, this is what trying is. Right. And, and I, I, I will absolutely bet my last dollar and my last drop of blood, right. On the fact that when you do this really, and you show up like this and you ask the Lord to bless it, not only will he, but so many times you give this tiny little pitiful effort and the Lord just like dumps this huge blessing on you because he said he would do that, right? And so in, yes. in all these things, and that's not just financial, although I will say that is true, but it's also in in fellowship. You just show up and just say, look, if you're shy, show up next time at church and say hi to a person and try and have a five-minute conversation with them. It's going to be awkward, Right. But yeah. you're going to do it. And then next time you say, hey, I, I didn't die. I can try that again. And then you know what? Now that you're doing that, other people see you doing that and they say, hey, look, they're doing that. I can do that. And it starts to grow that we're having fellowship together. Right. And that's what you
0: do is you just take the action and let the Lord bless it. Yeah. So that's there's three more spiritual disciplines for you. There are others that we're going to talk about. We got one more uh, podcast that we're going to do on this. So hopefully you're getting some real practical steps, things like how do I grow in my walk? Here's things for you to start Doing, and mm-hmm. you can start doing this tomorrow. So, uh, we love you guys. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next time here on the Iron Works Podcast. Thanks, guys.